This podcast episode is brought to you by Paleo Valley's Organic Extra Virgin Olive Oil. Now, we all know that many olive oils are cut with seed oils or that they are rancid, and so it's not always easiest to find a quality and properly sourced olive oil. Yes, in case you didn't know, many store bought olive oils are diluted or blended, compromising both taste and quality, and may even cause rancidity. I'm really glad that Paleo Valley's extra virgin olive oil remains pure and unadulterated, sourced from a single organic valley in Greece. Paleo Valley ensures freshness and nutrient content by packaging their olive oil in dark glass bottles. At a certain point, I stopped using extra virgin olive oil, but once our practice started working with people with chronic inflammatory response syndrome or SIRS, we started recommending it for the reduction of TGF beta 1. It is an immune system marker that shows inflammation both for COVID 19, SIRS, and actually many other illnesses. So if your TGF beta 1 is high, you may want to try incorporating a little bit of extra virgin olive oil. Make sure to check it out. It comes in a two pack package. And remember, All Paleo Valley products are guaranteed with a money back guarantee. Go to paleovalley.com slash nwj to get 15% off your order. Thanks for supporting companies that support this podcast. Hey guys, it's Judy from Nutrition with Judy. Thanks for joining me today. While you're here, please make sure to like and subscribe. Hit the red button. If you're listening to this on podcast, please make sure to leave a review as this allows my content to get in front of more people. And thank you for that. My name is Judy Cho and I'm board certified in holistic nutrition. And I have a private practice where we focus on root cause healing and it oftentimes starts with the Carnivore Cures meat only elimination diet. Today I had the fun pleasure of sitting down with Vinny Tortorich. For those of you that probably already know him, he has made three movies the movie Fat, the movie Fat 2, and then the movie Beyond Impossible. I actually thought Beyond Impossible wasn't out yet and it's completely my bad, but it's out and it's been out since January of this year of January of 2022. If you haven't watched any of these movies, I highly recommend it as it will give you some of that extra push,、uh, whether some family member or friends are not willing to eat a lower carb diet or a higher fat diet. And it just talks through why maybe Beyond Meat type of plant based patties and burgers are not ideal for human consumption. Vinny Tortorich is an author, radio, and podcast host. He's a fitness trainer, model, and international motivational speaker based in Beverly Hills. California, and he's also the best selling author of Fitness Confidential. Vinny has a very popular podcast called Fitness Confidential. He owns a company called Pure Coffee Club as well as Pure Vitamin Club, and he is the founder of NSNG Foods No Sugar, No Grains. I really enjoyed my conversation with Vinny because he's just very real and there's just no filter, and I actually kind of like that. But I hope that this conversation just Peels another layer into why meat is actually very ideal for you and how things are a little filtered in the Hollywood space. So I hope that you enjoy this conversation. Let's get right into it. Hi, Vinny. Thank you so much for joining me today.、Um, I'm so excited to have my community get to know you a little bit more. So if you can introduce yourself for the people that are listening and watching and how you got into the wellness space. Wow.、Uh, yeah, well, my name is Vinny Tortorich and、um... How I got into the wellness space is I walked into a gym in 1970 <laughs> when most people weren't even alive that would watch this or listen to it. Went to 
college in 1981, got a degree in exercise physiology and nutrition from Tulane University, and immediately um, started working with people. And uh, here we are, you know, I'm not going to say, you know, at some point I moved out to Hollywood in 1990 and became one of the celebrity trainers that, you know, we magically got weight off of people. And my big secret back then, and still is, well, it's not a secret because I put it out in the book. My big secret was, you know, low carb. And Hollywood doesn't care how the sausage is packed, pun intended. They just, hey, I need to lose weight for this role. You're the guy. Make it happen. Right. Sure. So I uh, did that for 30 years. And um, at some point I got cancer. And after cancer, I said, you know what? I almost died. I'm going to put these secrets out to the world. I wrote a book, Fitness Confidential which became some kind of crazy success at the beginning. This is before the term keto existed. Okay. Certainly the, the term carnivore didn't exist in the form of being a diet. It, you know, but uh, none of this stuff. Paleo was kind of around, but not really. Uh, Lauren Cardain, who's been on my podcast, mm-hmm. you know, he was kind of making waves. I think our books came out at a similar time. But I did you know, the word, the term keto did not exist. That's just a term that comes from the word ketogenic. Uh, so that's who I am. I'm one of the, I guess I was just introduced. <laughs> I was doing a speech this weekend. I was introduced as one of the forefathers of modern low carb. And I don't think that's fair. But yeah, I was one of those guys that started all this on the internet. And you have something coined like the no sugar, no grains. Can you tell us a little a bit about that and how that came to be? Yeah, NSNG. Um, I actually own that um, okay. trademark. So. That's a good question, because when I wrote Fitness Confidential, the book, I was loath to put the term ketogenic in it because, you know, I would mention, you know, I spent 30 years doing this with my clients and the clients would go, you know, like, let's say one of my actresses had a baby and then she had to be on the red carpet, right? Because I'm going to tell you a story. Actresses will do a movie and then schedule having their baby while the movie is being, you know, put together as a movie, but then they're obligated to do the red carpet and go on the Today Show and Oprah and everything else to push the movie. That's part of their deal, right? Well, once you have a baby, they would have the baby weight on. So one of my jobs was to go in and get the baby weight off. And I would go in and immediately put them on you know, bacon, butter, steak, and all this stuff. And they would lose the weight like, you know, overnight, right? And uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm exaggerating right, a bit, right. but it, then they would go, they would visit their OBGYN and say, you know, hey, checking on the baby, doing the whole thing. Wow, you look amazing. What are you doing? <clears throat> oh, yeah, this guy, uh, Vinny, comes over and he's got me doing a, a what he calls a ketogenic diet. And the doctors would freak out and go, ketoacidosis will kill you. Well, oh, oh, my God, you must stop this. And they, they would call me in a panic. Are you trying to kill me? Are you trying? It's like, no, no, no. Ketoacidosis and ketogenic is two different things. But the doctor said, and I have ketone bodies in my pee, and I'm going, yes, yes, <laughs> you're doing well. And so I decided when I wrote the book that I could not use the word ketogenic. That's how, and by the way, I wrote that book about 11 years ago. It came out 10 years ago. So 11 years ago, I wrote this. I refused to put the term ketogenic in my book. Refused. So I had to call it something. So I went, eh. I'm always telling my clients, no sugars, no grains. So that's what it became, the no sugars, no grains or the NSNG diet. So I had to go out after the book became this big deal. I had to go and, and ask the government, hey, can I get those trademarked? 
And they said, well, we normally don't trademark just four random letters put together. And I said, look, I'm making my lip. This is mine. I did this. And they went, oh, okay, in that case, we can do it. So long story. That's that's how that started. That's so interesting. So in the Hollywood space, I mean, because I grew up in Los Angeles and I mean, everyone wants to be plant-based. That's the way to lose weight and be healthy. But it sounds like your recommendations were so different. And I would even living in Los Angeles and being in Northern California, I never heard that butter and bacon and steak were the healthy things. It was all the plant-based foods. So how did you, did you have to fight any of that narrative in the Hollywood space? Um, sometimes. And I, yeah, the answer is yes. Um, but not, not so much. Um, okay. I, I got famous in Hollywood by working with a different show, Margaret Cho. Oh, and um, as a matter of fact, if you go back and listen to the act in the early 90s, she she used to do like five minutes on me. And you know, even when she did her big on, you know, her big stage things where, you know, there were one hour specials. My name is in the specials. And what happened was Margaret was overweight back then. And um, they were doing a big sitcom with her called All American Girl. This is when sitcoms were a big deal. And um, I was the guy that they hired. Well, they, they gave me like a short amount of time. I, I write about this in the book, in this confidential. Okay. They gave me a short amount of time to get as much weight as I could off of Margaret. And I, they asked for 30 pounds and they paid me handsomely to do that. And then they called me back in and they said, mm, she's still not looking good. Her screen test, you know, she, and I said, well, what's the problem? I've taken, a, I, she's still zoftig, but I've taken a lot of weight. I mean, what are you guys looking for? And they were like, well, can you, I'm, I'm not making this up. No, I believe you, it. You, you lived around Hollywood. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Can you make her lose weight and her face? And I said, Margaret is Korean. Right. She has a big round Korean face. They freaked out. They went, oh my God, we're not saying this. This is Mr. Tortorich's opinion. We have nothing to do. It's like, and by the way, this is early 90s. This is before we started freaking out and everything being right. something, right? I was like, no, I'm just telling you, Margaret and I are now friends. She's got a big round face. You can't just shrink. Oh, whoa, we, whoa, whoa. You know, they're doing all this in the meeting in Hollywood. I'm going, okay, how much more weight do you want me to get off? And they said, we'll give you another six weeks. Do what you can. So I went back in and long story short, I got close to 60 pounds off of her. Wow. And then the show is getting ready to come out. Everyone knew Margaret as being this very funny comedian, but very zoftic, right? And here she was, lean and mean, going on David Letterman, going on The Tonight Show, going on um, Arsenio Hall to promote her show. The first question out of everybody's mouth is, oh my God, Margaret, you look like a different person. How did you do this? And she goes, Guy Vinny did it all. And every agent in town jotted down the name Vinny and got to the office the next day and said, find this guy, find this guy right now, right? Because that's how Hollywood works. You're on The Tonight Show or David Letterman. Hollywood wants to figure out what you know. It's a, it's a crazy business. So I start getting calls from ICM, William Morris, <laughs> you know, Abrams, all the biggest agencies. I'm, they got me on speed dial. We have this coming up. We have this person. We have this movie. This guy's got to be muscled up. I'm getting crazy calls. The reason I'm telling you the story is not to brag because I have no reason to brag. It's because when everybody thinks you have a secret in Hollywood, they're all type A personalities. I had vegans telling me, hey, if I got to eat bacon to get this role 
or to look a certain way. I don't care. You're, they're vegan to a point. Right, right. Right. So whenever I came across that, the biggest celebrities in the world, and I, I've never, so, as a matter of fact, the book companies wanted me to do a book selling out my clients and I refused to do it. These people are type A personalities. They'll go and say, oh, I'm with PETA. Oh my God, vegan. Oh, let's save all the little puppy dogs and let's do all this stuff. And then when it comes to no camera and no, no one's around, okay, Vinny, what are we doing here? I need to eat some meat. You're telling me I need to have some butter. Okay. They're still wearing the vegan clothes. They're still, they have the, the bumper stickers, the whole thing, but that's not what they do. And by the way, there are very few of those. Most of them were like, bring it on, brother, whatever you got. And that's how we did it. Hey guys, just to let you know, my Carnivore Cure book is back in stock. For nine months, it was out of print and used prices were up to $300. Make sure to get your copy today that has over 200 colored tables and graphics and over 400 pages of meaty goodness. We have a limited supply, so get your copy today on Amazon.com. And if you can leave a review, I'd be super grateful. That's amazing. And I'm sure it's because you, I mean, you showed through Margaret Cho and whoever else, a celebrity that you can do these things and show, you know, the benefits of it. And so I'm sure that's why they trusted you, even if it went against, I guess, their moral beliefs and diet. So that's pretty cool. Um, I love that you were able to do that. And it's funny because I'm Korean as well, and I don't have the smallest face. So I completely, totally but understand. Just like Margaret, face. you're both beautiful women. Yeah, well, trust you. me, you have a beautiful, <laughs> folks, go watch this woman's video if you're listening to this. She's gorgeous. I'm going to have to find it. I'm going to have yeah. to find it. Okay. So then if you can tell us a little bit about Beyond Impossible. Yeah. You know, um, it, it was kind of different from my first two movies, um, Fatter Documentary and Fatter Documentary 2. I, I'm just a curious guy. And so I, I look around. I just look around and go, okay, uh, what's, what's happening? And I, I start seeing, you know, Beyond Burgers, Impossible Meat. And uh, I know it's vegan. And unlike all these kind of fake burgers before they were going, Oh, these squirt blood, just like regular hamburgers. And you can cook them rare and you can do all this stuff. And it doesn't taste like the old kind of soybean burgers, man. They really taste like, and then you start seeing McDonald's and Burger King and everyone getting into the game. And I just start looking around and I was like, wait a minute, can these things be that good? And by the way, could they possibly be healthy? Now I know everyone out there says, I did my research, which means they looked at the first two or three things on Google. That's what people call doing their research. When I do research, it's deep dives into, and I, because of the position I'm in, I'm able to call people. I'm able to get people on the phone. I'm able to get stuff done, right? And um, so I started calling and talking to people and the truth is so much stranger than fiction. When I, you know, like early on, they were going, well, you realize this stuff is damaging you know, the, the ozone layer way more than any animal ever could. And I'm like, how? And I was like, well, most of the stuff that goes into these burgers are created in China. And then oh. they have to somehow using diesel, an airplane or a ship or something, they got to get this stuff to the United States. And then it goes into a factory here and it's got to be manufactured. That's more right. CO2, you know, <laughs> carbons. And, and, and you're going on and it's like, okay, so they're not saving the atmosphere and not saving the planet as they're claiming. They're not 
saving anything. So that, that was the first thing that I started looking. And then it was like, okay, now they're saying it's healthier for you. How can something that's manufactured, an engineered food, a junk food, if you will, how can that possibly be better than eating animal protein? And as a matter of fact, it doesn't even come close. It doesn't come close on vitamins, minerals, you know, they, the proteins they use are so incomplete. And then they're putting something they call heme in there to make it taste like blood and look like blood and all this kind of stuff. It's nowhere near healthy for you. As a matter of fact, I made a comparison that I can almost make the comparison that an Oreo cookie is better for you than the stuff. And I'm not being funny. Wow. It's that much of an abomination of a food. Yeah, I can see one reason that they argue the Beyond Meat is healthier is because maybe if you believe that saturated fats are bad for heart health and cholesterol, then since they use canola oil, it's better for you, right? In terms of, I mean, the World Health Organization says one of the best fats is canola oil. And so maybe from that stance, maybe they're marketing it as healthier, but you're right. I don't, I just the mere fact of there's a laundry list of ingredients. A lot of it is processed. A lot of ingredients, they're not really managed or um, reviewed by the FDA because they're more supplements like the pea proteins. I, I always thought it was bizarre that they are really pushing it as health food and they're more expensive per pound than meat. Well, but, um, what are some... Let, go let's go back to a couple of things you said. They believe, right? They believe that saturated fats are bad. We came up with this belief out of thin air, right? My close friend Nina Teichos has shown over and over that this is a bizarre world, that saturated fats are what we need to, to exist. And then you go, well, uh, the World Health Organization, who I've been railing against since the 80s, when I had my radio show okay. back then, it's like, okay, they're saying canola oil, which is actually rapeseed oil, but rape didn't sound good. So they, they changed it. Did you know that, by the way? Yes, yeah. from the toxic rapeseed plant. Yeah, yes. it comes from, a, you know, and it's a seed oil which means it goes through, you know, it's basically, and I'm not making a joke, folks, it's basically sewing machine oil. Um, if you get three-in-one oil to, you know, like a little thin, that's what rapeseed oil is. And they're saying this is better than something natural, than a saturated fat. This is the World Health Organization. I, I don't know how they pretend to even make this a thing. I, I have no idea, but there you have it. I think it's because of the belief, and I, maybe this goes back to your first two movies, but you know, there's that whole demonization of saturated fats, um, why fat is making us fat and it's causing heart disease. Maybe it's some of the studies from Ansel Keys, but if you can share maybe some of the information that you found, some of the lies that maybe the, the meatless food industry is sharing, and then also this demonization of fat and how it's just not true. Well, I showed that in my original movie, uh, Fat, a documentary. And uh, man, I was just with uh, Mark Cucuzella and uh, uh, Philip Avedia this weekend. And they were thanking me for doing that movie. That was the first one I did because I just, I, I went back to the 1860s in that movie. You know, I didn't, I didn't start in 1957 when a president had a heart attack and Ansel Keys started his reign of terror on, on the food industry. I went all the way back to 1865 and Ellen G. White over at the Seventh-day Adventist church. And oh. you will go, why is that important? Well, because, you know, God came to her in her sleep 
And God said that you shouldn't eat anything with a face. There formed veganism. Veganism did not exist in the world before that. Vegetarianism did. But even the people who are vegetarians around the world, like the uh, the Indian, some of the Indians over in India, and I say some because some of them do eat meat. And even the vegetarians, because I spent time in India, they eat fish, they eat eggs, they eat dairy products. They just don't eat, for the most part, cows. Some of them will call themselves vegetarians that I sat down with and say, oh boy, here goes a vegetarian meal with a lot of sog paneer. And you get there and there's lamb, there's lamb. And they, they call that vegetarian. Well, we're eating mostly, mostly vegetables. Yet, you know, veganism was just made out of whole cloth, but couldn't really take effect until we figured out exogenous vitamins, right? And we didn't figure that out. We started figuring it out. The first vitamin was discovered in the 1920s. And we didn't understand all of the 13 essentials for long after that. So um, that's when veganism, you know, once you could get some vitamin B12, you were able to kind of come along until your body fell apart. Most vegans fall apart, unfortunately. And um, that's how modern day veganism started. And then Ansel Keys comes in and starts this whole saturated fat thing out of whole cloth, right? And you'll go, what does that have with veganism? Nothing yet, right? No one was really paying attention that much to Ansel Keys. I mean, John Yutkin over in England was talking about sugar being the problem. And uh, Ansel Keys bullied him and he went away. And then in 1968, the McGovern Committee started to figure out how to feed poor people in this country, right? And that committee met for 10 years and Ansel Keys weaseled himself into that committee, right? And of course, we're in love with grains in this country. And by the time the committee finished meeting in 1978, I show this in my movie. They just throw their hands up and go, okay, we're going to just go with low fat. And a couple of people stood up and went, wait, we should really study this more. And they were like, ah, we've met for 10 years. I have all of this on film in the first movie. You, you, it, truth is stranger than fiction. This stuff is out there, folks. You can go watch it in my movies. I don't make this, this stuff up. And within two years, we came up with our pyramid. And I show that, you know, there's like 21 servings of grains per day, of carbohydrates per day. How is that normal? We, we, they want us to eat like cattle, like a ruminant, but it doesn't work. I find it so interesting that we fatten cows with mm. grains and yet we think that it's saturated fats that make us fat. And there, it's just, I, I think it's been great marketing. Do you think then with this, the logic of just that maybe this is great marketing, that none of this is true? Do you think that big food, big pharma is controlling a lot of the research science around nutrition and um, a lot of these research studies that come out. I don't think that I know that. By the way, um, do you do you still live in California? No, I moved to Texas about uh, ten years. You ago. and everyone else. Um, <laughs> in California, it's illegal to um, to force feed a goose to make goose pate because right, what they would do right. is they would force feed these geese um, uh, grains in order to cause fatty liver disease. So, in the state that made that illegal, they're doubling down on feed grains to kids in school. So it's okay to force feed this to kids in school, but the geese off limits, off limits, no, no goose pate for you. If you go to California, I never thought about that. Okay. So, so in one case we can, we, we, we need to be nice to a geese, a, a goose or many goose, a geese. Um, but when it comes to humans, gloves off, give them all the grains they want, let them get fatty liver disease. Now uh, you asked a question and that wasn't it. Uh, what, what was the question again? Do you think that 
big food is controlling and maybe even big pharma is controlling a lot of the research studies that are pro canola oil, anti. Yeah, um, they, um, they are. But, but here's the thing. I don't think they're working together. I don't think big food okay. got together with big pharma and said, hey, guys, here's what we're going to do. We're going to we're going to kill them. You grill them. OK, we stab them. You slab them. They're not doing that. Big food is out okay. for big food. They, you know, the food lobby is one of the biggest lobbies out there. So politicians need to be politicking, right? They need to keep, once they get elected, they're not interested in helping us. They're interested in getting elected again. Sure. How are they going to do that? Well, they need money. Where's that money going to come from? Lobbyists. Lobbyists can hand these guys money. See, these, these treasure troves that they give them to, to get reelected the next time, right? So, I, you know, whenever you look at any of these bills, it's like, yeah, yeah, man, do whatever you want. Yeah, 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 just push that through. Yeah, food pyramid. Yeah, yeah, because the grain industry is too big to fail. Okay. We know that because we started subsidizing it as a country back during World War II, and we never stopped. So they're all in it together. It, they, they don't have anything against you or me. They just like making money, and I don't blame them. I like making money. Don't you like making money? Sure. You know, money is good. It's, it's how you put a roof over your head. You get to eat. You get to do what, what have you when you have money. But if you don't have money, you, you, you're, you're kind of screwed. So I get what they're doing. And then Big Pharma, another big lobbyist, you know, they have, they're up there with food, with the lobbying, right? And they're giving a lot of money. Why do you think the Sackler family can, can get the whole country hooked on oxycodone, right? You know, that, that's Big Pharma doing what Big Pharma does. Nobody is paying attention. The Sackler, do you know who the Sacklers are? They put out oxycodone. You ever walked into a doctor's office or a hospital and there'll be a pain chart? And number oh, one, faces. it's a smile on your face. And when you get to number seven or eight or 10, like, it's like, you know, the Sacklers put that out. Oh, wow. You go, hey, if you're anywhere on the spectrum, we'll give you We'll give you a narcotic so you don't feel any pain. And then they got people hooked on this stuff. And when they pulled them off, right? So, okay, let's go away from that. What about all the people making statins, all the people making right. um, uh, the drugs to lower your A1Cs or to get your sugar in check? I, I saw one of those ads the other night. It's like, hey, take metformin and you might lose 10 pounds. They say that in the ad. You might lose 10 pounds. And you could get your A1Cs as low as 7.6. Guess what that makes you, folks? Completely sick. Take this drug and you will remain completely sick. You're not out of trouble until you're below 5.6 on an A1C, right? right? But they don't tell you that. They went, hey, take our drug and nothing will happen to you. You'll just be taking our drug and you can still be sick. It makes no sense to me. So they, they're not working with food. Food's doing their thing. It's kind of like, hang with me, I just thought of this. It's kind of like a shark swimming through the water. Sure. Shark swimming through the water. It eats a fish. It's, but some of the fish comes out of the side of the shark's mouth. There's pilot fish going, yeah, we'll gobble that up, right? So big food is the shark. And then, you know, so, and, and then big farmers going, yeah, we'll just gobble up whatever you got there. And they're all making billions, billions. Right, right. I, I looked the other day and when antidepressants don't work, they sometimes give an additional drug of like antipsychotics. And I forgot which one it was, but one of the drugs 
Um, it makes a billion dollars every year and it's just an add-on drug. Sometimes it's used for some other mental illness, but oftentimes it's used as when antidepressants aren't working fully. So you get on this antipsychotic and it's a billion dollar industry just for the one drug, not for all of them, but one of them. And it's, it's kind of scary because I mean, anti, I mean, depression is still rampant. It's not like it's healing from taking these medications. So it's, right. uh, some people believe that this plant-based is more than just about making money. It's also, you know, considering, I don't know, depopulation of if we feed the humans less optimal foods, there will be less humans around. And some people think it's just purely the plant-based movement is really just to uh, make more money because greens are much more profitable than having people eat meat. It's about profit. It's always about profit. You know, that, that's, that's the motivation. Look, if there's some kook out there, I know that the PETA, if you look at the bylaws of okay. PETA, because I've read them, PETA thinks that I should open my front door and let my dog, you, you know, my dog would be dead in five minutes if I opened my front door and freed the slave. That's what they think my dog is, a slave. Okay. I need to free that slave. And, you know, I'm sitting there going, my dog would be dead in five minutes. It doesn't know that it would run out in traffic. You know, it doesn't know, right? I protect it. I feed it. I take care of it. It seems to like me okay. I love it. And that's, you know, but if you read the bylaws of PETA, we shouldn't be doing that, right? So there are people with special interests that, you know, they don't want to see people like me or you out there, right? But I don't think that it's that nefarious. I, I, I really, I'm sorry, I don't. Yeah, I mean, I just I was just curious since you're I, I feel that a lot of the people that make films and go into a lot more detail of the research than maybe they learn things that maybe the average person doesn't get to learn or hear. So I was just curious. Well, you, you know, know th- there's stuff I hear all the time. I just have trouble. You know, I'm a guy that verifies everything. My movies. Look, when I did my first movie, you know, everyone goes, hey. You know how what the hell lies about stuff? You should lie in the other direction. And I said, no, no, I don't have to lie. All I have to do is tell the truth, right? I'm not going to become a liar because they're liars. I'll just tell the truth, no matter how much it hurts. On my last movie, have you, obviously you haven't seen it because you thought it was coming soon. Um, You can watch it tonight. It's it's on Amazon Prime. You just watch it on Prime. It might be, sometimes, I don't know how Prime works. Sometimes it's free. Sometimes you can rent it for like two fifty or three bucks, but either way, I get paid, okay. which is like okay, thank, thanks Amazon. I don't know how that works, but my movies are everywhere. You can see them on seventy VODs around the world, um, including Amazon. I think um, uh, the, 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 the Vimeo and all the stuff. So anyway, in that movie, I wanted to bring vegan doctors in, and not just any vegan doctors. I wanted the ones that are the loudest. Sure. I asked McDougal, I asked uh, uh, Walter Willett over at Harvard, I asked uh, Michael Greger, uh, I asked all these guys to be in my movie, like all the top guys, I can't remember them all. And systematically, every one of them told me no. Um, As a matter of fact, McDougal was sending emails harassing my assistant, you know, and I put the emails, I didn't put his harassment emails, but I said, in the movie, I said, hey, guys, I, I, I wanted to bring vegans to the table. I want to hear their side of it. I was going to ask them the same 12 or 13 questions I asked everyone else. Tony Hampton, Nina Taishos, Frederick Lacroix, Mitt Lerner, all the people in that movie. I, I was going to ask them the same 13 questions, right? 
let's get your opinion. I'm always looking for a middle ground, a truth. Every single one of them turned me down with reasons that made no sense. Um, most of them said, um, I'm busy that day. I never gave them a day, a time, a place. I just said, would you like to be in the, would you be interested in being in this movie? When I asked Nina Taishos, yes. Yeah, 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 I'm in. When I asked Frederick Lacroix, he was, b- before I finished the email, it seems like a yes came back. Same with Dr. Mitlerner, right? Same with Tony Hampton and on and on and on. These guys, uh, McDougal said, yeah, I'll be in your movie, but I'm not signing a release. Okay. <laughs> How can I put you, I can't put you in my movie without you releasing me to, to show your image. Yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, well, you don't want me in the movie. No, I would love, you know, Nina never said anything. Laquan uh, uh, never said anything. Mitlerner, they all just signed it. And with my other three, other two movies, everyone just signed a release. Gary Taubes, you know, everyone signing releases left and right. No problem. Dr. Drew Pinsky signing releases. You know, this guy, no, no, can't, can't sign a release. And Gregor, Gregor said, I wasn't big enough. He wouldn't be in my movie because I wasn't big enough. Wow. And by the way, I put, I put all of their rejection letters <laughs> on the screen because I don't want people to think, oh, he didn't really ask him. Oh, no, here's the rejection letters, right? There it is. I don't lie. Yes. And since you're really close to the Hollywood scene and being a fitness trainer, have you seen people or do you think people can be healthy being plant-based or vegan, vegetarian? Um, for a short period, they can because they have residual health, um, but it goes down fast. It, it, it does. It just goes away fast. As you know, uh, I think, what is it? 83% people who become vegan stop within the first three months. Yes. Or something like that. I, Cl- yeah, go on. There's, there's a large percentage that also go back to eating meat as well. Yeah. Um, you know, I had uh, Lyra Keith in, in my third movie when she's talking about that. And you know, she talked about what it was like the first time she ate meat again. And it was almost like her body woke up immediately. This woman was a devout vegan for like 27 years. She messed up her teeth, her hair, her skin, I think her reproductive system, everything. She almost died from veganism, right? I'm going to let you know another Hollywood secret. Most vegans are chigans, as we call them. They, they quietly have meat. They sneak and have meat. But, you know, they want to stay in that community. They want to keep working with the vegans in Hollywood. Everyone's full of crap in Hollywood. So it, it is what it is. Sorry. But it's just a fact. I mean, I was there for 30 years. I, 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 I could tell you firsthand. I believe it. I, I, I was born and raised in Los Angeles, as I said. As a personal <laughs> trainer, do you feel that there are hard, fast rules or nutritional guidelines that you sort of recommend for everyone that seems to really help move the needle in the positive way? Um, no. Um, well, there's some hard, fast rules that, that I go by. Um, you know, I, as I said, my degree is, uh, um, my specialty is exercise physiology, and um, I never stopped studying even after I got my degree. If I'm training an ultra athlete uh, to run a 100-mile foot race, that approach is going to be different than if I have a woman in menopause who wants to lose 50 pounds. It's just not sure. the same thing. Uh, but some of the methods are the same for both. I would use zone two aerobic activity for both. Even though exercise is a poor way to lose weight, we need exercise as a fountain of youth. I also work with everyone to build up their uh, anaerobic. I don't know if you can see, but there's a squat rack right behind me. This, I'm in my I office, see. right? I, I believe in exercise. I mean, there's machines over here. There's a spinner here. There's a rowing machine over there. This is my man cave. It's full of exercise gear, right? 
because it's important. I'm 60 years old and I, I like to keep it the way it is, right? So hard, fast rules, you know, when it comes to exercise, you have to work both engines, anaerobic and aerobic. Um, uh, when it comes to eating, carbs are not bad as long as you're getting it in the form of cruciferous vegetables or low glycemic uh, fruit. I do a lot of meat, a lot of fish, a lot of chicken, a lot of pork. And I tell people, uh, if you can, if you like the way game tastes, get game birds and, and try to eat deer, even though that's lean meat, doesn't have the fatty tissue you want. They're out there. They're, they're grazing, man. They're just grazing and we need this stuff. Uh, some people don't like the taste of wild meat, but I tell them to keep eating it in small quantities like deer. You can make deer burgers. You can mix it with hamburger until you get right. used to it, right? Once you start getting used to gamey tasting food, you start wondering how you didn't eat it before, you know? So it's, it's like that with everything. How do you feel about game? Do you like game? No, not really. But if I... Yeah, I, I'm. It's it's the flavor, and I know I should get over it. But no, I, no, I guess no. You I'm don't not. have to get over it. You should break <laughs> into it. There's a, or break into it. I mean, I. Yeah. And you you want me to tell you? You want me to give you a secret to breaking into it? Sure. Start eating more grass fed beef, which tastes like game. You know, most people it don't does. like grass fed beef because it's gamey, right? It tastes the way meat was supposed to taste. We're just not used to that. If you start mixing it in with ground beef of just the corn fed beef or the grain fed beef, if you start mixing it in, you'll start as somehow your senses, you know how when you, you, you told me you went carnivore, right? Yes. Okay. You know how you just got used to that. And now like you crave meat, yes. you'll start craving that, that flavor of, of that gaminess. I, cra I crave it. My wife doesn't like it at all. Right. But I do. Has she tried to add it into her diet? No, she's, um, she's just call her set in her ways. But, you know, it's funny because she's from England and she'll eat duck okay. and game birds and stuff like that. Oh, right. So it's not like she won't, you know, um, but, I, you know, it's something about Bambi or so, I don't know. Maybe that's the deal. I grew up eating deer. I get when people don't like rabbit because rabbit is it, there's no fat in it whatsoever. You right. know, I get when people I like rabbit. I grew up on it. My grandmother used to do something with it that no one else can figure out. So because of that, I, I don't eat as much. Like I might order it in a restaurant if I know it's a good restaurant. Um, but I don't rabbit hunt anymore. I basically bird hunt. But yeah, I, I love gaming. And whenever I'm in Montana and you can get like elk or, you know, that kind of stuff for cheap or cheaper, <laughs> just put it that way, cheaper, you know, I'm always eating, you know, elk, caribou, if I can get it. I mean, there's a whole world of, of stuff out there. Right. That but you see, I grew up in Cajun country. I grew up alligator, frogs, that kind of stuff. So I'm I'm used to it, I guess. Maybe that's the deal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I th I think there's a lot of people that are really unwell that maybe have autoimmune illness that are sensitive to a lot of different foods and they may do better with ruminant meat. And so if you can taste elk and other types of ruminants other than cows, there's a wider variety. So I understand even from that perspective how it may be ideal to add in different meats than just the cow and pig and et cetera. But it's, um, you know, it's just even getting people sometimes to just eat the more normalized meats is even a challenge sometimes with this day and age of people being very plant-based friendly. Yeah. Um, so it's just taking it one step at a time. In terms of all the people that you train, 
Do you notice that there are certain people that may actually need more carbohydrates for all their training than others? And is there an amount that you are okay with, uh, with in terms of the carbohydrates? Uh, yeah. Um, I, you know, I train football players um, and I train boxers, people that do high intensity sports, right. uh, wrestlers. I've trained a lot of wrestlers, um, this sort of thing, football players. Did I mention football? I mentioned that, right? No, you didn't. Okay, well, football. <laughs> And these are quick spurt and they're running through glycogen. Right. So when you're in zone four and you're doing these quick spurts, you can run through a lot of glycogen. Uh, sugar uh, can be used, you know, during their sport. It, it doesn't mean that they have to eat tons of pasta or anything like that. Even marathon runners think, oh, we have to carb load. Okay. You, you can only absorb so much carb and then the rest of it just turns to fat. So you're not carb loading anything. You have at homeostasis, you have all the carbs you need. Now, if you're doing a race where you're expending that, if you're running a, 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 a less than a three hour marathon, you may need little squirts of sugar along the way. And you go, whoa, whoa, that means carnivore diet or eating low carb is not optimal. So it's not optimal when you're burning the crap out of your blood sugar. All of a sudden, you need to take that in. That's why it's there. It's not meant, you know, when you stop running, you don't have to keep eating it. That's when you go back to eating meat. You, you need to fix the body because you just, you just killed it. In a marathon, it's time to now repair, right? How do we do that? Protein, amino acids. And, and, and by the way, people, wait a minute, you just said amino acids. Should I go take a, a, a BCAA or an EAA? Yeah, it's called an egg and it's called red meat. It's in, it's in there. It's in there and it's in perfect okay. proportions. You can't get this stuff out of China and, oh, I took this powder. No, go eat an egg, go eat some, some red meat, have some dairy. That's how you repair your body, right? Right. I didn't mean to go off on a tangent and start yelling, but you got me upset over here. No, dude. no. Jesus Christ. <laughs> There's some athletes that um, I think Tim Noakes maybe even, but the, you know, they'll, they'll do that carb loading and then they end up having diabetes. So i I find it really interesting that some people, some athletes, and maybe it depends on the, the genetics of that athlete, but some athletes, if they may be even lean, but eventually with all that carb loading eventually has them have diabetes and insulin resistance. And I don't know if you've seen that at all in your training. Oh, I have. Um, there are a lot of people with fatty liver disease who don't have an ounce of fat on their body. Right. Uh, Timmy, I can yes. call him Timmy because we're friends. Tim Noakes and I, we, we've been simpatico for years. Um, uh, he's been on on my show probably more than, well, not more than Nina or Gary Tiles, uh, uh, but up there, you know. And um, Tim and I have been around friends for a long time. And I, I applaud him for continuing to study because at one time, the whole idea behind his book that has been done, uh, uh, Lure of Running, um, or running law, I can't remember how it's put. Um, he tore out the whole section that says you need carbs and replaced it. And that's when he became a pariah. And I don't know if most people know this, but he ended up on trial in in right. uh, South Africa twice. He beat him the first time. They took him back to trial. They beat him again. It, it, it wow. made zero cent. It made zero cent. But um, 
Yeah, yeah, Tim and I are simpatico on a lot of things. And the same thing happened to Dr. Gary Fecchi as well when he was recommending low carb and then he also got on trial. And so that's where the question to me becomes, I, I mean, we're not wearing tinfoil hats, but it's if it was just about money, why are they getting on trial? Because they could just say, well, that doctor has that one uh, point of view, but generally the rest of the population can eat sugar and grains and it's okay. Well, luckily in America, we can say what we want. That's why it hasn't happened to doctors here. But they, you know, Gary, Gary was, oh, uh, Gary true. was in my first movie, Fat a Documentary. I, I chronicled that story. Mm-hmm. And um, we talked about it. He was healing people. You know, he's a guy that was tasked uh, over in Tasmania with chopping people's limbs off because of type 2 diabetes. And he and his wife, Belinda, started figuring out oh, wait, we won't have to chop any limbs off if we just get these people eating right. And they were saving people's limbs. And then the government came in and said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh-uh. No, our Diabetes Association, which was, it's our, is the American Diabetes Association, which they've now, you know, co-opted around the world, right? So this whole LNG white thing right. I was talking about from 1865, ta-da. Yes. And so here we are. <laughs> with this guy telling the truth and they took his license away. He was on trial in Tasmania. Right. And you look at that and you go, the truth is, is stranger than fiction. I mean, who would have ever, this doctor was healing people and they went, right. no, you get, get back in your lane, start chopping legs off. That's what you do. And he, he said, I can't do it anymore. And by the way, um, right after the movie came out, that a documentary, um, they saw to reverse everything on Gary Taubes when they knew it was coming out. So, Oh, um, okay. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, Gary, Gary and I, we, we go way back. In terms of the, um, you, with all the training, uh, obviously we know or we're in agreement with a lot of the nutritional aspects, but there's a lot of differing opinions, even with exercise. Some people say doing really long or really short sprints or heavy lifting. What have you found to be the most beneficial for longevity? First off, I just said Gary Tobler, I meant Gary Fetke. I just want to correct you. I didn't even catch that. (laughs) Um, At least I listen to me. Um, (laughs) No, I'm listening. I'm kidding. Um, You know, it's funny. I always say the best exercise is the one you're willing to do, right? Fair enough. Um, And, you know, I I see these guys on the internet going, one set to failure. Yeah, one set to failure works. You know how many people could do one set to failure correctly? Very few. Very few. My buddy Fred Hahn, you know, up in New York has a studio where he'll stand over you basically with a whip going one more rep and and literally lifting the machines off of these people whenever they can't do it. That's one set to failure. That that works to a great degree. Um, I I love doing zone two aerobics. You know, you get the, the biggest volume and platform from that from a health standpoint without scarring up your heart and your lungs and everything else. So to a great degree, I'm a fan of that. You know, everyone should be working their anaerobic engine as well as their aerobic engine. I mentioned that earlier. You have to move heavy things. Once you hit your 35th birthday, you start losing muscle mass. It's called sarcopenia. It's a fancy word for you losing muscle mass. And the only way to reverse that is by moving heavy things, right? It's important to throw some weight on a bar and people are, which exercises should I do? It's kind of like flossing your teeth. They, you know, dentists would always say, only floss the ones you're planning on keeping. Only work the muscles you're planning on keeping. And you go, well, that's ridiculous. That's a lot of muscles. Well, okay. Or you can die all frail and weak. You know, I don't care. 
you you have a choice. What about there are people in the um, I guess anti low carb space that say we need to cycle in and out of ketosis. Uh, that low carb long term affects our hormones, affects our thyroid health. That there are numerous people that say low carb affects their sleep. That they just can't sleep. They have way too much cortisol at the end of the night. And so for all these reasons, low carb is probably not ideal for us. Uh, in one experiment, I've, uh, once I got through with cancer in 08, um, I decided to, I used to just go low carb most of the year. Okay. And um, when I was on the bicycle, I would always mm-hmm. eat more sugar because it was just easier. And um, I decided to just go low carb all the time, just live in ketosis. You can prick my finger anytime, day or night, and I'm going to have some form somewhere between 0.7 and 3 point or 4.0 millimolars. Oh. Like if I get off of a, a bike and you wait a half an hour, your body's still dumping ketone bodies. And, um, you know, so I'll probably show you a 4.5. I've never wow. cycled off. Yeah, there's been times when I've been in Italy and tried some gelato and this and that, but I don't cycle on and off on any regular basis. And um, my T1, 2, 3, and 4 are all fine. That, and my testosterone is fine. My, all of my blood work comes back. My triglycerides are usually somewhere around 40, 35 or 40. Whenever I oh, wow. go get okay. blood tests, um, you know, everything is perfectly normal. Thyroid, I mentioned that. So, but I'm an M1 experiment. By the way, they told me my leukemia would be back in five years. And they would have to knock it down again with chemo. So five years from 2008 would be what? 2013? Yes. I blew right past that. So maybe um, six years. Who passed that? I blew past, uh, tw- this was 2022. Was that 14 years? No cancer. So you tell me. Again, in one experiment. Do you check every year for um, any of those testings to see if it reappears? Yeah. Um, I, when I, at first, I had to go in every three months, and then they had me on every six right. months. And then, um, you know, doctor, about, you know, then after like a couple of years, it was like once a year. Or they said, if you start feeling bad, <laughs> come in. You know, that means something okay. is going on. And I once a year, I get checked, and um, my blood numbers are perfectly normal. You know, no other way to put that. Have your doctors asked you what changed? Did they ask you if it's diet? I mean, do they find you to be like a miracle case? Nope. Nope. No one cares. No one (laughs) cares. Now, the doctor who, you know, I have this great doctor at Cedar sinai Um, She's, um, she didn't really take a lot of patients, but she took me because of this other, because I knew famous people. I'm just going to be honest. So I got a research scientist to work on me that normally didn't take patients. So not not much okay. bedside manner or anything, but <clears throat> she was this incredible researcher of cancer. And um, she, this is like 2007. I was, you know, we knew I was, I was going to make it. It looks like I was going to make it towards the end. And I said, Doc, you know, I live in Hollywood and a lot of my clients are telling me I got to do crazy stuff like drink eight ounces of wheatgrass a day. And, you know, I've, I've drinking, I've had an ounce and that almost made me puke. So I couldn't imagine eight ounces a day. And I, I don't know if you've ever done that, but you burp for the rest of the week and it's wheatgrass. I used to work at Jamba Juice and I would drink the, and I was plant-based. So I would drink the wheatgrass every morning because all, you know, it's the healthy thing right. to do. And yes, I know it's forever. You would burp it for the rest of the day, right? It's like your body yes. doesn't even want to digest this stuff, right? <laughs> you just burp and burp. It's like, oh my God. 
So I couldn't imagine eight, eight ounces a day. Ounces. And other people going, you need to be a vegan and you need to do all this stuff. So I said to my doctor, I said, hey, you know, it looks like I'm going to make it. My numbers are looking better. I said, um, any truth behind veganism or eight ounces of wheatgrass a day or any of this stuff? <clears throat> because, look, I, I don't stand on ceremony. If something's going to fix me, I'm, I'm in. Right? I don't want to sure. die before I have to die. And um, she goes, um, you're, my client who sent me, sent you here, she said something about no sugars, no grain. I said, yeah. She goes, yeah, do that. I was like, wait, what? She goes, yeah. Um, you won't hear about this for the next five years, but all the research that we're studying right now shows that most cancers don't need oxygen to survive. Some do but most of them are closed cells and they use sugar to survive. So if you just stay away from anything that causes sugar in your liver, it does, it starves cancer. Good enough for me. Here I am 14 years later, no sign of, of letting up, no thyroid trouble, no, I'm, I'm 60 years old, no drugs. I'm, how many 60 year olds you know today that's not on one single drug? Right, I know, we're the most medicated country in the world. I'm not on testosterone. I don't have low T. I don't need to go see my doctor and ask him. I'm, I, my my um, A1Cs, I check them just as a joke, like 4.4. Yeah, it's like, wow. you know, no blood sugar problems, no fatty liver, no nut. How is that possible? How is that possible? I'm 60. I'm supposed to be a statistic. I should be on five. I, I have friends that are on seven and eight and 10 drugs. As you just mentioned, right. they're taking drugs with another drug because the other drug wasn't right. working anymore. Makes no sense. And do you sleep mostly through the night as well? Um, I sleep all the way through the night. Rare occasion, <laughs> just... you know, if my wife gets up to pee, I know it sounds sexy, oh, okay. I'll wake up and go, ah, maybe I should go too. But most nights I'll sleep, you know, and she, she doesn't even wake up. She, she's the way I do. We're 60 and we don't act or look 60. Well, maybe we look 60, but our bodies don't look 60. Right. You know, it's kind of weird. Yeah. No, I, I think that most people believe that as you age, you just wake up in the middle of the night because you have to go pee. And I, it's it's oftentimes a blood sugar imbalance. And that's why I asked you the question. No, I, I sleep like a rock. We we have um, double alarms and all kinds of stuff here because it was, she'll wake up, but I, I sleep like, like the dead. It's good. Yeah. It's a good thing. And then in terms of food, so what foods do you and your wife prioritize eating daily or do you eat a variety? Um, I eat way more red meat than she does. Um, okay. I eat red meat usually twice a day, at least once a day. Um, eat a lot of fish, eat a lot of crustacean. We, um, I will eat chicken, but you know, chicken's kind of not, there's not a whole lot of nutrients in chicken. <laughs> And I feel like I got to eat so much of it just to get what I need. Um, I do eat chicken embryos like they're going out of style. I mean, eight, 10 eggs every day. Um, okay. A lot of that. Um, you know, some nuts, but not a lot of nuts. You know, like, like just on occasion, there's no daily, oh, I have a handful. Olives, I'll eat a lot of olives, a lot of avocados. Um, I'm do you add a lot of fat to your meats or to your no, food? No, I don't. I, you know, um, okay. uh, I'll cook my steaks and butter to give it the nice caramelization on okay. both sides. I like a nice, you know, I like to do that. Um, 
And, but no, you know, just I eat a lot of butter. Uh, I eat a lot of pork, ribs, sure. the whole thing. You know, you would be shocked at how much meat and eggs I put away every day. And according to Michael Greger, I have pus somewhere in my body. But I, I, I keep asking doctors every time I go, it's like, can you find the pus these vegans keep telling me I, I'm getting from eggs and meat? Because I'm not seeing the pus that I'm supposed to be seeing. And uh, I don't know. It's funny. Um, yeah, I mean, eating eight to 10 eggs a day, which is so against what the RDA used to recommend with in terms of eggs that we should have an egg like every other day or every few days. So it just shows that you're so healthy and um, probably eating the right way for most. Can, can, can I add to that? Um, you yes. know, I was into, you know, strength and bodybuilding um, as a kid, you know, by the time I, I'm going to brag a little bit, by the time I was like 13 years old, I was bench pressing close to 300 pounds on the bench. Oh, and wow. I was really strong and squatting a lot of weight and the whole thing. I started working out much younger than that. I said 13, probably 14 with those numbers. Um, but um, I, w- I was eating back then 10, 12, 15 eggs a day and red oh, wow. meat and everything because I grew up in the country. Eggs were easy to get. Everyone had eggs. You know, naturally they had right. chicken. And um, everybody was always going, hey, dozen eggs, 25 cents. Yeah. You know, give me a bunch of those dozens. I, I need it. I couldn't afford the fancy schmancy protein powders, which as it turns out are not good. But I didn't know that when I was 12 or 13. Right, right. I had all the eggs in the world. Ate a lot of fish. I was in Southern Louisiana, tons of fish. And uh, I was strong as an ox. So that, that I, I didn't just start this. The point I'm trying to make is I didn't start this egg thing five minutes ago. I should be dead from eggs a long time ago compared to what they're saying. Right. Right. And I have two young boys and um, I share my lunch, their lunch boxes often on my social media platforms and they eat a lot of eggs too. I think on average they have probably six eggs a day, if not more. And then they're always eating red meat. And a lot of people feel bad for them in a sense because they're not eating a whole ton of other carbs. And I just feel like, why, why feel bad for them when they're eating the the foods that will nourish and make their bodies the strongest have a bunch of testosterone for them to be, you know, real men. And I have no issues with that, but people genuinely feel bad for my kids because I'm not giving them so many carbs and they do eat a variety, right? So if they go to birthday party, I don't limit them in eating the cake. Maybe they get a very small piece, but I, you know, it's, I'd rather do what's healthy for them because my mental health crashed when I was, early 30s, because I went the plant based way, ate very low fat, ate zero meat for 12 years. And my mental health was in the trash. So I never want my children to go through that. So I, I get it. Fully. Look, the reason our brains grew as humans is because we ate a lot of meat. But that's, that's just bottom line. Right. Okay, yeah, I'll definitely put all the links to all three of the movies. Where can people find you? And um, there's so many. Um, <laughs> the, the best place to find me I have a website called VinnyTortoris.com that does not roll off the tongue. Okay. Um, my podcast has been around for 10 years. We've done 2,200 shows. Uh, I do five brand new shows a wow. week. So there are always fresh shows going up. So it's called Fitness Confidential. That's the podcast. Right. And it's, it, it's a big podcast. It gets like a million downloads a month or something. We also have, um, uh, what else do we you know, Three movies. Um, she's going to put that in the show notes. The book that started it all, the book is also called Fitness Confidential. It's 10 years old now, and this still sells like hotcakes. I wouldn't have ever thought that. 
Okay. It's on Amazon. You go get it there. It's on Audible. It was up for Audible Book of the Year the first year, so it was a big deal when it first came out. Uh, I have three companies. I have um, purevitaminclub.com that I created eight years ago. This is one of the products, the Ultra Salt. We have multivitamins. We have um, fish oil, and we have great stuff there. I have a coffee company called purecoffeeclub.com that sells specialty coffee. That's my favorite company because I'm a coffee lover. And uh, we have NSNG Foods, no sugars, no grains, foods.com, NSNGfoods.com. And that's where the ultra fat is. By the way, you know, you can be a sponsor of that. If, if you like the product, you should look at it. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. I, I really look. think you like what's there because, you know, like I said, the people at the Charlie Foundation, they, they look around and go, wait, we've never seen a product with so few ingredients. Everyone mucks it up with all kinds of stuff. You guys just kept it simple. Right. And the reason it's kept simple is because I own the company and I refuse to let bean counters come in. Right. So I lose a little money. I, I still make money. I make a profit, but I'll lose money by not looking at bean counting. Right. I just put out the best product sure, at the sure. lowest possible price. Works. Well, thank you. And then do you work with individuals for any fitness training or not really? Um, I, I stopped doing that years okay. <laughs> ago. I'm training a little kid down the street who oh, wants okay. to learn how to do weightlifting. And um, I'm doing that for free. People can call me and do a consult. I started doing that because people wanted to talk to me. So I put what I thought was a reasonable sure. price on it. And um, I don't look at it as a business model. I generally don't talk about it. But if you guys are interested in chatting with me, you can go to vinnytartarese.com and there's a banner, click through it, sign up, and you can be on the phone with me within a day. And yes, it's me. You'll be talking to me. Uh, but oh, here's something free for your audience. After the book became popular, I, I was embarrassed to, to think that I didn't put enough information in the book. So I wrote a 26-page PDF. Okay. It might be 24 pages. I can't remember. But it's free. If you go to vinnytautoris.com, there's no clickbait. There's no funnel. There's nothing. You can get this free PDF. And I've had people lose up to 300 pounds, never paying me a dime, just wow. reading the PDF. Never read my book, never saw my movies, never bought one product from me. PDF has been downloaded over 300,000 times, and people have lost hundreds of thousands, if not millions of pounds from downloading that PDF. Okay, I'll add that to the show notes as well. So thank you. Thank you so much. You have you are a wealth of resources. So thank you so much again, and just thank you for joining me. and. And the films and uh, I know a lot of people really just learn better through video. And I think that's so important that you're really affecting masses by sharing content such as videos, because that will help, I think, move honestly the needle much more than a book and stuff. But and thank, thank you, you for what you're doing. Okay, guys, I hope that this interview just shares a little bit more information about the plant-based movement, about the realities of Hollywood and the filters that they may use or the lack of sharing that they may not be fully plant-based and how meat and fats are just ideal for longevity and even for being in cancer remission. If you have a family member or loved one, or even if you question the diet, I highly recommend watching the fat documentary as well as the Beyond Impossible documentary. I'm actually going to watch more of it later this week. Vinny just keeps it real and he's just very honest and forthright with all that he's learned and that he's curious about and that has just helped his clients and the people around him just have better health. Okay, guys, you know the drill. Make sure to eat a lot of meat. Take care of your bodies because it is the only place you have to live. I will talk to you later. Bye, guys. 
Thanks for listening to the Nutrition with Judy podcast. If you liked what you heard today, please make sure to leave a five-star review on your favorite podcast app so more listeners like you can find the show. If you want more practitioner care and support, head over to nutritionwithjudy.com slash groups so you can get more real talk about carnivore, the environment, and root cause healing. You can also find my content on Nutrition with Judy's YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Make sure to sign up for my weekly newsletter and learn more about in-depth articles with infographics at nutritionwithjudy.com slash articles. You can find my two books, Carnivore Cure and the Complete Carnivore Diet for Beginners on carnivorecure.com and amazon.com. At the heart of Nutrition with Judy's practice, our mission lies with a deep, unwavering passion for service and community. We will continue to empower you to have the knowledge and tools to live a life nearly symptom-free because we firmly believe in healing and wellness for all.